When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy Honda days are here at Norm Reeves Honda Superstore. Shop a super selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs. And get holiday deals so good, they belong under your tree. Visit our super award-winning Norm Reeves Honda Superstore locations in Huntington Beach, West Covina, the Irvine Auto Center, Vista, and the number one Honda store in the world in the Cerritos Auto Square. Shop online at normreeves.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. We are a belly up sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how are you doing? LJ, doing good. Uh, yeah, excited to talk baseball once again. Uh, we had quite an eventful day in the league, uh, and it was capped off tonight by it's a very special game. Yeah. A, a, Why don't we go ahead and get into that? Yeah, sure. I won't spoil anything in case, for whatever reason, people didn't <laughs> see what happened. But uh, yeah, LJ, take it away. All right. Uh, we got the Cubs and the Dodgers. First up, this was the last game of the evening. And as Brandon has alluded to, what a game it was. In the top of the first, Javi Baez goes yard, unloading his 17th home run of the season. Later on, Wilson Contreras will also hit a two-run blast. And then Jake Marisnik drives in one to make this a 4-0 game in the seventh inning in favor of Chicago. However, that is not the story of the game, as in this one, the Cubs throw the first combined no-hitter of the season. No-hitter total, number seven of the year. The first combined one, Zach Davies will get the win here. He started this game, pitched the first six no hit innings did have five walks with four strikeouts 
And then from there, uh, Tepera, Chafin, and Kimbrell all came in. Each of them had a walk, but no hits to get us to that not-so-elusive no-hit mark. The loss will go to Walker Bueller, who goes six innings along three earned with six strikeouts. So, Brandon, we've discussed that really at some point we should narrow down exactly what no-hitters count and what which ones don't. But this one definitely counts. Yeah, you know, this one, uh, it was a nice start from, from Zach Davies. The five walks, I think, is a bit misleading uh, because the Dodgers weren't really making any hard contact tonight. Uh, I was able to watch pretty much all of the game. And LJ, I can't really remember a play where it was even like close to a hit. No, was there any like real, real, a, a defensive like gem that saved this game or I mean, I don't think so. Right. Not particularly. And you know, it's weird because there's always one, like yeah. even if it's one that's close to a no hitter, there's always one play where you're like, that's going to be the one that you're going to remember going forward. I mean, there's one in the next game we're going to talk about that would have been clearly that one. However, yeah, so I definitely think this counts. Of course, first combined no-hitter of the season, it is its own sort of place in history, but I'm just kind of disillusioned to the whole no-hitter thing at this point. Yeah, you know, I think if this happened earlier in the season, we would think a lot higher of it. Uh, certainly, you know, I think it's awesome. I've been talking a lot just uh, or I've been talking a lot about these Cubs relievers, specifically to Para, Chafe and Kimbrell. They use that combination a lot, those three, and they've all been excellent. Uh, after all three pitch clean innings tonight, they're all under a two ERA. Craig Kimbrell at a 0.59. He has just been so good this year. And yeah, the Cubs, Cubs bullpen has really stepped up in a big way. And we see it here tonight. And, you know, this was uh, not a, I don't even know like what we can call the, the Dodgers lineup full strength because a Justin Turner wasn't in there tonight, but I mean, it was a very, formidable lineup especially with the way that Chris Taylor's been playing you know you slide him over to third you got Max Muncy at second you had Cody Bellinger in there Albert Pujols and uh, Gavin Lux and Big Al hits dingers yeah oh yeah uh certainly not tonight but in in a general yes uh Big Al does hit dingers but yeah Yeah, honestly one thing that kind of surprises me again you saw said that there's no real spot here where it felt like they were going to get a hit. With that being said, there there was their fair share of contact. Like, mm-hmm. Zach Davies goes six innings with only four strikeouts in that game. That's something you don't see very often in no-hitters just because the math of it. Like, the more times you hit the ball, the more likelihood there will be that you're able to get a hit. So the majority of the no-hitters you're going to see, the guy who does the principal innings is going to be up near 10 strikeouts at the the bare minimum just because if you are down in that 3-4 strikeout range, you're relying entirely on your defense, which they can't be everywhere. No, it can't. And, uh, 
Yeah, but with the loss, that's Walker Bueller's first loss of the year was 7-0 and heading into this one. And also one other note on this game uh, that I wanted to make. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw on the the, the Dodgers broadcast, they showed it. Uh, Jock Peterson uh, got a his his World Series ring from 2020 tonight uh, because it was his first time back at Dodger Stadium uh, with the Cubs. And uh, yeah, I just thought that that was that was pretty cool uh, to see him get the ring. Honestly, though, like I love that, but like, how long do they hold on to those? You think? Like if a guy goes away and like goes to the opposite, the opposite like coast in the opposite league, and then all of a sudden, like five years later, when they're on the brink of retirement, they end up happening to stumble into Dodger Stadium and they finally get their World Series ring that they've been waiting so long for. I, you know, I would hope that after a certain amount of time, the player would be like, "Hey, can I can I get my ring?" Like. You know, I'm not I'm not going to be there for the entire year, so. Well, it just, it seems a little impractical to do this. Like, it's a nice idea to wait until they get there. But the most logical answer would be do the same thing that you've been doing a couple of years ago. Usually it was in Japan, granted. But what if you put the first game or maybe the first series of the year, maybe yeah, actually, yeah, I'm just going with first game, two days before opening day. So do like a Monday or Tuesday opening night with the World Series winner at home for the first series. Change, change, flip the two series, make, well, the majority of the opening series are all division games. So you could flip a series here or there that hasn't been sold, which isn't, is, is kind of irrelevant to my point here. But if you could, it wouldn't be, I don't think rocket science if they committed themselves to making the schedule in this manner to have the first series of the year or first game of the year always be the former World Series winner. And if you did it... It's kind of like what the NFL does. Yes. Uh, It's not always a perfect Super Bowl matchup, but it's one of the teams that played in the Super Bowl the year prior is always on that first game. I think it was, what was it, Chiefs-Texans this year? And it was the Chiefs who had just won the Super Bowl. And so yes, they it's got you, that first game. It's usually the champion, not always. Um, of course, depending on what works out. But, like, if you did it a couple days beforehand, Jock Peterson could – you could then fly Jock Peterson in from wherever spring training is to L.A. for that day, give all of the people who left your team a, their – you know, their farewell, give them an ovation for being a part of the team, a thank you send off as like a separate group and then bring out the actual team to receive theirs. Like make it one big yeah. ring ceremony with all the people that already left coming in for the day and leaving. That, that seems to me to be a more fitting spot. Yeah, uh, I certainly like that idea. And for, for reference, the NFL is doing it once again this year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are playing in their first game and they're taking on the Cowboys. So there's, you know, the way the NFL does it is they get one of the teams that either won the Super Bowl or was in the Super Bowl and have them play another team that has some sort of storyline going for them. Obviously, the Dallas Cowboys, there's always something to 
to talk about They're America's that. team. You have to have them on. Yeah. You know, it would, it would be a travesty to not put them on at least 10 out of eight or out of their 17 games. If the, if 10 are on prime time, that would be a low ball number. So, <laughs> but let's get into this next game. And Brandon, once again, we were on combined no hitter watch. The Red Sox get six and two thirds of no hit ball with two walks, eight strikeouts out of Nick Pavetta. Pavetta threw 100 pitches, gets pulled there in the seventh, and the game gets turned over to Josh Taylor. And he walks, he walks one batter, but ultimately gets out of this with the no hitter intact. We then go into the next inning where unfortunately it was, I want to say, I could be completely crazy, but I want to say it was Joey Wendell. Who uh, broke or up. It was, oh, it was Kevin, it was Kevin Kiermaier. I'm sorry. Kevin Kiermaier gets a um, little bloop, like slap, slap line drive into shallow left field to break up this no hitter in the eighth inning. However, the score is still tied 0-0. We then go into the bottom of the ninth, and uh, Manny Margot is able to get on with Matt Barnes out there pitching. Margot then steals second, a throw by Christian Vasquez, which the original, the catch was in the low zone, comes back up, fires down to second base, and it ends up hitting um, Manuel Margot's flying off helmet as he dives into the base off the hop bounces into bounces into center field. So Margot takes third relatively easily. And you now have one out or two outs. I'm sorry, two outs with a man on third and in a Oh one count, Matt Barnes puts a curveball down into the dirt. It's he swings for a strike, but it gets past Vasquez and Margot comes in to score the Rays beat the Red Sox here one nothing and take back control of the division. Give the win to JP Fireisen. The loss will go to Matt Barnes. And yeah, I mean Nick Pavetta, six and two thirds, no hit, no earned. Michael Waka, five innings, one hit, no earned, seven strikeouts. Uh very well pitched game all around. And as for that play I was talking about earlier. If this had gone down as a combined no-no, we will we will always associate it with the catch by Hunter Renfro in right field. He goes running back towards the wall, makes a very nice, slightly lucky snow cone catch, a matter of inches away from breaking up the no-hitter, but he gets the job done. So, like again, those types of plays are usually the memorable part of the no hitter the final out and whatever defensive plays supposedly saves the game are the memorable ones this one had it the other one didn't and this one unfortunately didn't turn out too well yeah uh a couple things about this game first of all lj i'm not sure if this was your first time seeing michael waka this year uh but for whatever reason, this guy just kills the AL East. I mean, Tampa signs this guy out of nowhere, and he goes five innings with one hit tonight. Uh, just completely shut down this this Boston lineup that has been so good. And you know, it, what's what's really frustrating with with the Rays is that 
you think your offense is going to get going at some point, and they're just bringing in all these guys who 99% of fans have, like, never heard of. or And if these guys were, like, walking down the street, you would have no idea that they're a pro baseball player. Yet Drew, Drew Rasmussen and Matt Whistler and J.P. Fireisen just – it's just so frustrating because all these pitchers are so good. And it's like, how, like, where are they finding these, these bullpen arms? I don't understand how they can just sign some random minor leaguer trade for some prospect, just do whatever. And these guys just turn into elite high, high leverage arms. Like it's, it's amazing to me. Yeah. I just, you know, I've always thought and continue to think that the difference between when Tampa became like legit and when they were just a contending wild card type team was when their starting pitching started to turn around and be a, a real force. Because still, I stand by the fact that under most circumstances, of course, every relief pitcher, every pitcher is going to have off days where they'll get hit around a little bit. However, I think still this is one of the most feared bullpens in baseball. Brandon, you have to agree with me on that. I would rather try to get the bulk of my offense during those first two times through the rotation when you have the starter out there or you have the follower out there, the long innings guy, because I fear the long inning guy less than I, than I do whoever they're bringing out of that bullpen, which is not usually the case for most teams. So there's already a lot of pressure going up against the Rays because you're like, okay, we have effectively 18 at-bats to try to get ourselves a lead here. And if not, it's going to become much harder. Now you throw in there Tyler Glass now. You throw in Rich Hill. You throw in the occasional Ryan Yarborough day. You throw in Michael Walker. We might as well start start calling him Fozzie Bear as he makes a joke of the AL East. Um, he's Waka Wakaing through every single one of these teams. Um, yeah, like there's there's a lot of quality starting pitching follower guys on this team that it makes it unfair because it's not nearly as easy as you'd like it to be to get runs on the board in those first eighteen at bats. And this is a bullpen. Yes, I, I certainly do agree. One of the best in the league for sure. And we're not even really talking about how Nick Anderson, who was their best bullpen arm last year, of course, is out for this entire season due to that torn elbow ligament. And there, there's other guys who have been out for a while too who made – a positive impact on this team over the last couple of years. Jalen Beeks, that guy is been really good as a left-hander out of their bullpen. He used to pitch for the Red Sox. Uh, uh, never did he actually ever pitch for the Red Sox? I think he, he might. He was have very close. Heard. He was close to coming up. I've actually saw him start. Um, yeah, he was. He was the piece that moved over when they got Ivaldi. Oh, okay. Well, and I want to say he was just like either if he'd made a start for the Red Sox, he made it made one. But yeah, again, Jet, I'm just I'm trying to further prove your point, not um, discredit it here, Brandon. 
in the fact that like this was Jalen Beeks was a highly regarded arm in the minor leagues before he came over and has had moderate success here with the Rays. I mean, he's certainly not been their best guy, but he has been an above average uh, reliever. Yeah. And I mean, just like imagine what this bullpen could be where when, when you get back Nick Anderson, you get back Jalen Beeks. I mean, right now for that closer spot, you know, we've seen uh, Pete Fairbanks, JP Fireisen, Diego Castillo. Once Nick Anderson comes back, you know, he goes into that mix. Uh, and they just mix and match and they find certain matchups that they like to exploit. And, uh, you know, Kevin Cash is just so, so good with that late game managing. I think that uh, it's, it's pretty amazing what they can do there, but uh, shall we move on to the next game? Absolutely. All right. The Yankees and the Royals. This one gets started in the bottom of the first when Aaron judge goes yard, his 16th homer of the year, puts the Yankees up one, nothing. Then Rugnet Odor steps up and rips an RBI single that scores Gary Sanchez more on him in a bit. And the Yankees take a two nothing lead in the second judge comes through with another hit. Uh, this one, an RBI single, Yankees go up three, nothing. And in the third Luke Voigt with his third homer of the year. And the Yankees take a four, nothing lead. I believe Voigt are very close to a, a bingo, bango bongo had his walk off. Or excuse me, a a a bingo bingo Yahtzee. My bad. Uh, had his walk off not hit the top of the wall and actually gone over, that would have been uh, three in a, or th- uh, one for three days in a row. But it's all right. Uh, Luke Voigt, that makes it four nothing after the Voigt homer. Uh, Kansas City gets on the board with a Sebastian Rivero double in the fifth to score one, and they trail. Four to one, but then Gary Sanchez steps up and rips his 13th homer of the year. Oh, that Gary is scary. Three run bomb. Yankees take a 7 1 lead. They go on to win 8 to 1. Give the win to Jamison Tyone. Six and a third, five hits, one earned, and six Ks. Potentially his best start as a Yankee. The loss goes to Brad Keller, five innings, nine hits, four earned runs for him. And, uh, yeah, shouts to Nestor Cortez for pitching the last two and two-thirds. Nasty Nestor, LJ, now on the season, has pitched 15 innings and has only allowed, uh, I believe, just over – it is two runs, two earned runs in 15 innings. Nasty. Absolutely he was throwing the drop down slider today. You already know he had to bust out the sidearm slider. The only pitcher I've ever seen who throws a, a breaking pitch from a completely different arm angle. Like that has to be a dead, dead giveaway to the hitter. What, what pitch is coming? No, like when, well, you, when you throw, that when you only throw that pitch when you throw sidearm like as soon as the pitcher sees sidearm he's like all right slider yeah but it's it not necessarily like 
I'm looking to see here, trying to find his graph of frequency. Which which pitch is it again? I'm pretty sure that they classify it as a slider when he drops down and throws sidearm. Okay, well, he's throwing the slider 20% of the time right now, which means as a reliever, throwing a pitch 20% of the time, the majority of these guys won't have seen it. It usually takes, like if you have a, a sidearm starter, the other opposing team's offense is going to struggle quite a bit through that first time of the order, just because they're trying to figure out how to figure out the arm slot, figure out how the ball is coming out of the hand. And it's, it's an adjust, a huge adjustment. Now imagine only ha- having that adjustment, one pitch and in a bat, maybe once a season, you may, you may face Nestor Cortez once a season and get that pitch one time in the at bat. And you're going to be able to, fully like time it up, figure it out, get your eye on it. I'm not sure it's, it's that easy. That's what makes him so nasty. It is why he's nasty nester. Next up, we got the Braves and the Reds here in the top of the first Freddie Freeman hits his 17th home run of the year to put Atlanta up RBIs by Castellanos and Vado made this a two, one game through until the late innings where Nick Castellanos takes a drive to deep center field. This scores Jonathan India, and this will be a 4-1 ball game. Top of the eighth, Ozzie Albies goes yard, and then Ahir Adrianza hits an RBI single to cut the deficit to one for Atlanta. But then Nick Castellanos comes up clutch again as he hits an RBI single, extending this lead to the final 5-3. Reds, as we are in the hunt for Reds October. Give the win to Tony Santillian. He went six innings. Hey, Tony. Hey, I didn't even miss. I completely missed that, Tony. I'm sorry, bud. And he's got Uh, the Italian last name, Tony Santillian. um, And eight strikeouts. Um, The loss will go to uh, Jesse Chavez out of the Braves team. He went two and a third in this start, allowing two hits, two earned and three strikeouts. And the save goes to Brad Brock, his first of the year. All right. Athletics and Rangers. The A's put up a three spot in the first inning, thanks to a Ramon Laureano double, uh, Chad Pender ground out, and then a Jed Lowry single. Uh, after Nick Solak grounds out and that scores a run for the Rangers in the second, uh, the A's take control of the game. Jed Lowry with a homer in the top of the fourth to make it four to one. And then uh, the A's score on a wild pitch in the seventh to make it five one. And that's your final Oakland wins. Give the win to Chris Bassett, seven innings, five hits, one earned and four strikeouts. Now eight and two on the year. The loss to Colby Allard, six innings, eight hits, four earned, and one strikeout. And, uh, again, no save in this one. We now move over to the Nationals and the Marlins. And my boy, one of the baddest men on the planet right now, Kyle Schwarber, 
sweeps another ball off his off its feet to lead off this game, his 20th home run of the year, and yet another one in that leadoff position. This makes it a one nothing game. He then goes yard again in the second to start into a bingo and a bango. Juan Soto also drives in a run to make this a 5-0 game through the majority. We then jump forward to the top of the 7th where Soto and Starling Castro drive in two more runs. Jazz Chisholm tries to bring some offense with a three-RBI three home run here, but that, of course, will be too little too late as the Nationals win this one 7-3. to three. Give the win to Joe Ross. He went seven innings, shutout ball with eight strikeouts. The loss will go to Cody Poteet. He went three innings, allowing five earned and six strikeouts. And Kyle Schwarber, of course, two for four here today, four RBIs and a walk. But more importantly, two home runs, which now puts him at 21 for the year. And he is officially the best home run hitting, best power hitting leadoff hitter in the league. Yeah, you know, since they put him in this in this leadoff spot, I don't know what has gotten into him, but he is just eight home runs in five games. Are you serious? Like, I can't even do that in, in MLB The Show. I mean, that's ridiculous what this – what he's doing out of the leadoff spot. I mean, this Nats lineup is, is really scary. I mean, when you are, are like, when it's Schwarber, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Josh Bell there in the middle, like uh, that's, that's a tough lineup. And when you've got Max Scherzer on the mound or Joe Ross, the way that he pitched tonight, I mean, We've seen what the Nats can do. They're sitting at 500. There's a lot of baseball left. We're not even at the halfway point. So, you know, uh, certainly the Nats are going to be a team that I'm going to be watching uh, as the NL East has just chosen to completely beat itself up uh, in this first half of the season. Hopefully the teams have a little bit more individual success uh, in the second half. Is it bad that I'd, I'd also kind of find it amusing if they all finished within like two games of 500 and then one team made it and then just smoked everybody on their way to the World Series? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, this, 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 this lead, the vision actually was that good. And they've just been getting far better competition than anyone else in the league. Well, if you want to know how weak it, it has been, the here's the leaders in the division based on run run differential the Mets are at plus 20 and they're in first place the Marlins are at plus 11 and they're in last place the Braves are at minus five and they're in second to last place the Nats are at minus six and they're in second and the Phillies are at minus 13 and they're in third so just no one is pulling away here. The Mets are three and a half up. They still have to make up games, though. Uh, I feel like we're going to be saying that till the end of time. Uh, but, yeah, 
Washington has won five in a row. They sweep the Marlins and uh, are looking a bit hot. I'll tell you, there's nothing scarier than the Washington Nationals when they're in last place at the end of May. Yeah, yeah, there's not. Or, there's or not the a LA thing Clippers scarier. down 2-0 in a playoff series. Because <laughs> this year, they have just... <laughs> no, yeah, I agree with you. Totally. All right. Uh, I have the next one here. Orioles and Blue Jays. And this one gets going in the first as Toronto puts up a six spot. Teoscar Hernandez with an RBI single opens up the scoring. Then Randall Gritchett grounds out and it's 2-0 before Lourdes Gurriel Jr. steps up and rips a grand slam. His eighth home run of the year makes it 6-0 Toronto. Vladdy Jr. steps up in the second and rips his 24th Long bomb on the year makes it a seven nothing Toronto lead before Marcus Simeon and Bo Bichette each hit their 15th double of the year to drive home runs. Toronto cruises to a nine nothing win. Anthony K got the start and the win for them. Five innings, five hits, no earned runs, and eight strikeouts. Now one and two on the year. LJ, the, the Kremer was absolutely shook tonight. One-third of an inning, two hits, six earned, five walks. What's his ERA at this point? 7.25. However, LJ, it, it it's not even the worst on his own team. I saw this the other day, and I wanted to ask you. I think this is perfect time. Which starter? Oh, he's not even qualified anymore. All right. Well, which starter has the worst ERA in the league right now? And he's on the Orioles. Oh, he's on the Orioles. So it's no longer Luis Castillo. Okay. Um, hmm. And not, oh, Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey. Yeah. Uh, he's no longer qualified, but I know his ERA is like seven points. It's a, like at least 7.3, but it could be near the eight mark, uh, I think. Just, yeah, the Orioles have it's, – it's tough to be an Orioles fan. Yeah, also um, something I forgot to mention in the Red Sox portion that I did see um, today. It's a stat from earlier in the week, so it might have changed a little bit. But just goes – Brandon, you need to understand my pain here with what I have been forced to watch. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central 
simpler communications. Yeah. Through the entire season. Actually, I want you to guess. How many weighted runs created do you think the Red Sox leadoff hitter had coming into this week? Weighted runs created plus, I'm going to say. No, 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 not plus. Just wait, just how many runs have they created? Okay. Mm. Can I get like a baseline number? Like, like what would you say is, is good? Oh, good. I don't know, actually. Just so I can make it. I uh, don't remember what the baseline I'm going to guess was. that it's not positive. It's not a positive amount of runs. Or No, it is a positive amount of runs. Okay, like one or two. There, there isn't, there isn't a single, I should say, there's no other, there, kind of phrases, only one team in the league has less than like 15 runs created out of the leadoff spot. Okay. So that so, means, so I'm going to guess you guys have like, I don't know, five. Four. Four. Danny Santana, like that, like, what is Alex Cora or looking at? All right, so it wasn't even Danny Santana. It was Michael Chabis. Why? This is a guy who strikes out 220 times a season. Brandon, they have – when I kid, I kid you not when I say they do not have a leadoff hitter. Just stick Verdugo in the leadoff spot and just make it work. Just make it work. Because Brandon. at this point, you can't keep rolling out guys – who are 150 hitters in the leadoff spot every day. Yeah, well, two things. First off, eight, nine, and one all consistently feel like a nine hitter. So it's not like there's a ton of great options on this team, but the only thing that could possibly make matters worse, in my opinion, is putting somebody into a position, a good player, into a position he is flat out not comfortable in. Since when is Michael Chavis comfortable leading off? I said a good player. That's why I don't want Verdugo leading off if he doesn't want to. Fair. I mean, see, look, I I think you guys, so you signed Kike Hernandez, and in Heim Bloom's mind, he thought that was going to be your guy for the the leadoff spot. Well, and and to be fair, for the first month of the season, he was. Yeah, and then he chose not to hit. Yeah. So when, man, you, I have to, you know, you have to love when eight, nine, and one feel like a nine hitter, especially when your one batter gets the most plate appearances out of anyone. You know, you just love when that feels like a nine. Oh hitter. yeah, and then um, don't forget our seven hitter has the power capability of a grapefruit in Christian Vasquez right now. So that also doesn't help, but you know, it's been a positive experience. Um, where are we? Oh, pirates cards. Okay. we got quite a bit on the show today, so I'm not going to keep us going too, too long here on random stuff. Um, top of the first Ryan Reynolds and Colin Moran drive in runs for Pittsburgh, make it a two, nothing game. In the bottom of the second, Lars Newtbar is able to try. I love the name, LJ. I saw it the other day in, 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 in one of the game recaps. He scored a run, and I didn't want to bring it up because I knew that we'd get sidetracked by it. But he, he so on, on baseball reference, you know how it shows, like, 
what the most popular pages are, like trending player pages. So here are some of the names that are trending. Shohei Otani, Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, Albert Pujols, Wander Franco, Lars Newtbar, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, Fernando Tatis Jr., Francisco Lindor. I mean, it, what isn't there to love about that name? There's, I, 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 you see, Brandon, you made the right choice because I'm not sure <laughs> I'm going to be able to keep going <laughs> right I don't, now. It's as bad as that one episode a couple of days ago where. No, no, no. But like, where we that had. Is the best, that is easily the best name I have ever heard. <laughs> it's freaking hilarious. Lars Newtbar. Lars Newtbar sounds like the thing that's right next to the Fig Newtons in the grocery store aisle. Yeah. The Lars Newtbar. It's I like, yeah, it's I like the knockoff brand Fig Newton. He needs to turn into like a all-star player because just imagine having to say this guy's name on commentary like every single night. That would be fantastic. Brendan, hear me out. What if um actually never mind sorry you're good i was about to make a joke and then i realized it made no sense i got i got the fig newton name just completely mixed around um this is yeah this is oof okay lars newpar <laughs> he bro- he drives in a run but really from there it was just about entirely pittsburgh Brian Reynolds goes yard. Adam Frazier gets he's still mad at Brandon for um taking a dump on his power capabilities. He hits his fourth home run of the season, his second this week. And he still didn't cover first base. Still didn't cover first base. I I still don't like him. Don't get me wrong. I'm still not putting him on any award, any voting thing. Um Philip Evans also goes yard in this game. As the Pirates win this one 8-2, give the win to Chad Cool. He went six innings, allowing one earned with two strikeouts. The loss goes to Carlos Martinez. He went five innings, allowing five earned, seven walks, and two strikeouts. Uh, Something that I just saw come across MLB Network, Key Brian Hayes has got on base in 28 consecutive games. Very impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Adam Frazier is now two home runs in the last three days. Um, he's got a bingo. So look out for that bingo and that Yahtzee just, just to spite Brandon. Well, Astros and Tigers, this entire series has just felt very uncompetitive. Houston scores two runs in the second, third, fourth, and fifth innings take a 10 nothing lead or a 10 to one lead excuse me after five can't forget that one akil badu a double that scores the run for the tigers but the runs for the astros come from everyone in their lineup just like every single other night that they play martin maldonado who LJ and I were talking about the other day is one of the worst hitters over an entire career span. He comes through with an RBI single to make it two or two, nothing 
Astros. Then Abraham Toro hit by a pitch with the bases loaded makes it four nothing. Yuli Gurriel with a double to make it five one. Carlos Correa makes it six one and then eight to one with singles. Jordan Alvarez with a grand slam in the ninth to cap things off. The Astros win twelve to three. The win to Luis Garcia. Now six and four on the year, six innings to earn five Ks. The season ERA is at 2.83. He's having himself a fantastic season for only being 24 years old. The loss goes to Jose Arena. Now two and eight on the year, three and two thirds, eight hits, four earned runs for him. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about the Astros in a little bit, so I won't mention anything now. And I also have the last game, Indians and Twins. This one gets started in the bottom of the first. Wild pitch by J.C. Mejia allows the Twins to score, and it's one nothing. Austin Hedges with an RBI single in the second ties the game up for Cleveland at one. And then Cleveland takes the lead on an Eddie Rosario Two RBI single and a Bobby Bradley ground out in the eighth makes it 4-1, and that's your final. The Indians pick up this win over the Twins. The win goes to Blake Parker out of the Indians' bullpen. J.C. Mejia, six innings, four hits, one earned, and six Ks. The loss goes to Jorge Alcala. Jose Barrios, tough line to take, the, to take a no decision six and a third one earned run nine k's for him and james karen with his ninth save on the season but uh now i believe we're going to get into the extended leaderboard segment i'm gonna run through quite a few stat categories here and let you know who is leading them so i think uh first we can start off with war uh, for batters. And it is Vladdy Jr. still in the lead at 4.3. Uh, behind him, tied for second, is Carlos Correa and Ronald Acuna Jr. Carlos Correa's made quite the leap. Uh, and then behind them, we have Xander Bogarts, Nick Castellanos, Fernando Tatis, Cedric Mullins, Trey Turner, Brian Reynolds, and Jose Altuve. That rounds out your top 10. As for, um, yeah, go ahead. Good, uh, just jumping in because I just found it. A uh, good piece of hitting percentage? Yeah, sure. Go for it. We got Juan Soto here at 53.8%. Then quite a bit of shakeup in this now. Yasmani Grandal comes in here at second. 51.2% of the time he either walks or hits a ball 90 miles an hour or more. Yeah, his, his uh, season batting average is like under 150, I think. Yeah, he's hitting – okay, it's up to 172 now, but that's interesting. Yeah, and Vladdy is the third here at 51%. Now, keep in mind, the league average is 34%. So, uh, As for the pitchers, Jacob deGrom – who has only thrown 72 innings this year. He's at a 4.2 war. Everyone else on this list that I'm about to mention has, a, has at least thrown somewhere in the 80s, but pretty much everyone is in the high 90s. Uh, behind Jacob DeGrom, we have Zach Wheeler, who's a, 
uh, 0.7 WAR behind, yet 20 innings. Uh, at, he or he's almost thrown 30 more innings than Jacob Degrom. Actually, he's at a 3.5 WAR. Garrett Cole's at 3.1. Kevin Gosman at three. Behind them, Trevor Rogers, Nathan Eovaldi, Brandon Woodruff, Tyler Glass. Now, Clayton Kershaw and Freddie Peralta round out the top ten. Uh, LJ, do you have the good piece of pitching numbers? Um, almost there. Uh, here we go. Yeah, we got Jacob Degrom here in at first with sixty-one point six percent. Then we've got Corbin Burns at fifty-six point eight, and then Freddie Peralta at fifty point five. So, as a reminder, in half of Freddie Peralta's plate appearances or batters faced, I mean he either gets a strikeout or a ball hit 80 miles an hour or less. Jacob deGrom has also now raised himself over the Kenley Jansen line. Kenley Jansen had a 60% season in there, 60.9 back in 2017. It is by far above and beyond the most brilliantly pitched by this statistic season in StatCast history. As for the relievers, Josh Hader in first at 1.8 war, Craig Kimbrell in second, Matt Barnes in third, Edwin Diaz in fourth, and Ryan Presley uh, rounds out the top five. All right, batting average is Michael Brantley at 355. Behind him is Nick Castellanos. Vladdy leads in home runs at 24 and RBIs at 61. Uh, behind him in home runs, we have Otani at 23, Tatis at 21, or Tatis at 22, Schwarber at 21, and then Acuna, Adelis Garcia, and Matt Olson at 20. RBIs, uh, Vladdy at 61, Rafi Devers at 60 is the closest behind him. Uh, stolen bases, Whit Merrifield really jumped up in this one. He's at 21. There's a four-way tie for second at 15 between Acuna, Isaiah Kiner, Falefa, and uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Trey Turner. Uh, one other uh, notable run we'll throw in here. Adam Frazier leads in hits at 94. And Nick Castellanos and Adam Frazier are tied for 24, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, 24 doubles. Uh, and then... Vladdy leads in on base percentage, slugging, and of course OPS. So, not much to talk there. Uh, and then for for pitching, if there was anything, uh, yeah, Jacob Degrom, 0.5 ERA, Kevin Gosman, and Brandon Woodruff, the only other two who are qualified under a two ERA. Shane Bieber at 130 strikeouts. Trevor Bauer is only one behind him, and Mark Melanson has 23 saves. All right, I will give Brandon a little bit of a break, and I will just go through both of my hot and not here for the National League this week. Um, might as well start with the hot. It would be very easy for me to pick the San Francisco Giants at 8-2 and two in their last 10 in a three-game winning streak, continuing to take advantage of their lead in the NL West, now being at four and a half games. However... I'm going to go with the third place team in that division, 
The San Diego Padres have now won seven straight. They've won every single game that they've played this week and then some. And more importantly, they just had the quietest sweep of LA there you possibly could have. Like, I don't think I don't think most teams get that quiet a sweep, like media coverage wise. Like Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. People are more caring about the Dodgers than ever before right now. And then all of a sudden, Dodgers-Padres, the famed matchup, got so little fanfare this week. And, and I'm going to tell you why. It's, it's, it's because they, they just completely overshadowed all the good stuff in the sport with all this stupid, stupid umpire checks that is just completely – running the game at the current moment. That's the current media narrative. Why are we not talking about the Nats sweeping the Marlins or the 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 Dodgers-Padres series, MLB Network, which I love watching MLB Network, but sometimes I feel like they go against what is good for the game of baseball in, in, in what they cover. And for them to constantly be going on and on about spider attack and pitchers here is ridiculous. When you have... Some of the best young stars. I mean, Justin Turner said it himself that every game between the the Dodgers and Padres this year is going to feel like a World Series game. Yet we talk nothing about that series, and they just focus on all the mound checks, which in uh, all all the pitcher checks, which I'm 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 already sick of. So that's which again, which again. From what I'm reading into this here, you're not sick of the checks. You're sick of the narrative of the checks. I no, think I'm just, I'm just sick of that's that that's all they're talking about. Like, yeah, exactly. Like Which already had to make it a big deal. Now all of a sudden, this is the only thing that that we can talk about. We can't talk about positive things in the sport anymore. It's partially on. It's mostly on the media for deciding to be this be the narrative. I think I firmly think that this whole substance thing if it were to be left alone and just people let happen, the game would be better off with it, with the umpires checking regularly and everything. However, you have a combination of the media thinking this is the story they have to latch on to, cheating is the best story ever. That combined with the fact that the pitchers and the managers are going to be such children about it that they're going to complain and whine to anyone who was willing to listen that just fuels that flame. So, I mean, you can't really take pictures out of the game and still have it be the same game. However, the, the game would be much better without the majority of them. 
Yeah, and it's just like, why? Uh, like MLB Network is supposed to be promoting the game. Yeah, I'm I, I'm sitting here and I watch like MLB Central in the morning or whatever, and an hour long of their content is just dedicated to what Joe Girardi was saying to you know when that that clip of Joe Girardi comes out where he's walking towards the Nats dugout, right? He's walking towards the Nats dugout and is yelling. He wasn't even yelling at Max Scherzer. Like they just completely got the whole story wrong. He was yelling at Kevin Long, the Nationals hitting coach, because someone pulled up the audio and you hear him saying, you want to go K Long? You want to go K Long? Come on, K Long, step up to the top step. That's what he's saying. He's not yelling at Max Scherzer because Kevin Long was saying, that is effing BS to what Joe Girardi did. And well, he's I mean, it, it was BS. It was BS. But, you know, the MLB has to run with this story. Oh, Joe Girardi's charging the dugout, trying to incite violence with Max. He wasn't fighting violence. With Mac, yeah, but they're trying to act like he was coming at a player. Like, get the story right. Either way, it's not a good look for Matt, for. No, it's a good look for for uh, Joe Girardi, and it, it was it was a terrible look from from when he had the umps go out there and check Scherzer. But uh, just can we like stop trying to run with the with these stories like like we're some kind of clickbait sport? I mean, that's not the, what we should be covering right now. We should be talking about Kyle Schwarber. We should be talking about the next team I'm going to talk about that's been really hot, but. Instead, we, we're just so – it's just every year with the sport, it's something different. Last year, we couldn't even play on time. The year before that, it was the juice ball. The year before that, I mean, you know, it, 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 it just goes on and on with this sport where there's always a negative storyline that overshadows the entire season. Well, I'm going to leave it with one last thing here, and it's really why I'm surprised. It's no secret that the MLB, well, first off, they, they own way too many of their own um, properties, but they own, and it's pretty e- easy to see that they have a little bias towards the things that the MLB thinks are going to make them money, and MLB Network also agrees will make them money. And so if the league wants to promote things like their substance stuff, they're going to go to them to do it. And from the league perspective, I don't think that's a bad idea. If you have these guys in the morning shows and the afternoon shows talking about um, spider tech and what it's doing to the ball and what these pitchers are doing and using it for and everything, that is a great way to get people kind of on board with the fact that they're being checked and get them passionate and caring about this subject matter. However, they've then gone too far into the problematic bits which I'm surprised that the MLB has not nipped in the bud. I mean, you see the NFL gets complete control over ESPN and they don't even own them. Uh, and, and they have their own, and they also have their own NFL network too. Like, yeah. And, and yet the MLB can't stop an MLB network from going on and on with these stories that are so problematic to their new process that they think is good for baseball. 
it, it, it shocks me because, I mean, this is something Rob Manfred flat out said. I think this is going great. However, this Max Scherzer, Joe Girardi thing was problematic to say the least. And the fact that they're still talking about it is absolutely shocking to me. I'm not sure what they're doing in the offices of MLB Network or the MLB, but it's not the right thing. Are we ever sure what they're doing in the MLB offices? Like, we can never be fully certain whether or not they have a grip on really any situation, uh, especially this one. But uh, I'll talk about the team that I think has been hot. Oh, LJ, did uh, you get to mention the team that's cold? Um, no, I have really, I mean, the, the, the sneaky pick here would be the Milwaukee Brewers. Granted, they're tied for their division right now with Chicago. They're only four and six in their last 10, but they did lose once to the Diamondbacks. With that being said, I will be going with the Arizona Diamondbacks, the team that cannot buy a win. They are now losers of two straight after breaking their uh, 17-game losing streak. One fluky game is clearly not the difference for this team. I don't expect them to win back-to-back games for a very long time. And they will continue to have to be the Colts team. I know it's not the most exciting pick out, out here. However, if I'm playing by the rules and giving you the most honest take I can, it's got to be Arizona. Yeah, and the best streak in sports starts back up again today as uh, Arizona hits the road and is uh, – at San Diego. So will the road losing streak continue? Yes. Uh, that's the biggest storyline of, of uh, today. So other than Yankees, Red Sox. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and yeah, and I literally just, honestly though, we're going from the hottest team in the NL to the notest team in the NL going on the road is this is a recipe for disaster. If you're Arizona right now. All right, the team that I, that's hot in the American League, this one's very obvious. The Houston Astros, who have won 11 games in a row, their run, run differential sits at plus 144, clearly the best in the MLB by over 40 runs. And their expected win-loss record is 51-24. and 24. No other team uh, is – at an expected win-loss record over 47 and 27, that being the Giants. So, uh, yeah, what Houston's doing right now is really fun to watch. Their 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 offense is just so good, and yet yeah, there's not really a lot that you can say about the way that they've been playing. Uh, they they've been pitching well. We talked about. Uh, Houston quite a bit over the last couple episodes, so I won't go on forever. But yeah, they are uh, playing very hot right now and uh, arguably the best team in the league. At least they're the best team in the American League right now, whether you want to say National League, uh, certainly up for debate, but they played very well this year, Houston has. And they've handled their competition, at least for teams that are above 500 as well. All right, the team in the American League that's cold, uh, you know, the obvious pick would be the, the Baltimore Orioles who have lost six in a row. But, uh, LJ, is it, like, fair to say 
like it was Tampa because they had lost seven in a row until they picked up these last two against Boston. Uh, I I don't know. Like I want to say Tampa or Boston because I feel like you guys were have both not been playing well lately. But like I also don't want to say that. But there's not another team I could pick. Um, if I can give you my honest opinion, and this isn't me um, trying to sugarcoat things. First off, you could potentially go Texas. Yeah, Texas possibly. But if it was between the Red Sox and the Rays, I would have to say go Rays, and here's why. The Red Sox wins and losses have been pretty convincing either way. So, like, I mean, over the course of a season – not these these teams don't end up with winning percentages much farther over 600 no matter who what team it is it's not like you're seeing a team win 75 percent of their games so you're going to have losses throughout the way however they've i they've been pretty clear and definitive either it was a win or it was a loss the two raised wins that in question that you're talking about one of which was a complete luck into game so you take that out and they're two and eight. Like if Matt, if Christian Vasquez is able to field that ball, either of those balls cleanly in that ninth inning today, the Rays are possibly, I would go ahead and say probably two and eight in your last 10. This decision would be much easier. So yeah, in terms of, in terms of their actual form, keep in mind also, they were no hit through seven innings. So in terms of who's got the better act overall form right now, I would have to say the Rays have a worse form than the Red Sox. You know, I will take Tampa uh, as the cold team. However, uh, that's not saying that the, the Rangers have not been playing bad because they have uh, two and eight in their last 10. But uh, yeah, it's not fun to just pick all the actually bad teams like the Orioles and Rangers who are one and nine and two and 10 in their or two and eight in their last 10 constantly. Unless they're really bad and then it gets. Yeah. But you know, it just seems like the, these teams are constantly just like, you know, underperforming and that's what we expect. So yeah, I wanted to switch it up a bit, but we'll stick with the Rays. Uh, But let's each do our player of the week. Uh, LJ has, the National League, I have the American League. And uh, LJ, I was a bit surprised when you told me who, who uh, you were going with for this one. But after looking at it, uh, I actually do agree. Yeah, I mean, the obvious choice would be Kyle Schwarber here. You'd think that was who I'm going with, especially with how much I've talked about him here. He's got six home runs and 11 RBIs this week. However, I'm actually going to go with somebody else. I'm going to go with... Jake Cronenworth of the San Diego Padres. Not only was he incredibly influential in that sweep over the Dodgers, but he's got four home runs and nine RBIs over his last seven games. Now that is slightly below Kyle Schwerber, but then you look around the rest of what he's doing. The slugging percentage is almost exactly the same. They're both at a one dot for the week. Jake Cronenworth is batting 400 with a 483 on base compared to Kyle Schwarber at uh, 333 and 385 respectively. And last but not least, the real um, knock on Kyle Schwarber here 
he has been a minus defender this week. That goes against everything I stand for. And so I cannot pick Kyle Schwarber. So Jake Cronenworth will be the player of the week from the National League. All right. In the American League, uh, this was a bit tough as in terms of hitters, there was a few guys that that stood out, uh, but certainly not anything crazy. Uh, So I think I'm going to actually go with a pitcher here. Uh, I'm going to go with Jose Urquidy, actually. Uh, 14 innings this week. And he goes 2-0 and in those with a 184 BABIP, uh, 7-to-1 Ks to walk ratio, I believe, and a 1.29 ERA. Looked really, really good in those two starts uh, for Houston and uh, both wins. In terms of hitters, I was close to picking Jonathan Scope, close to picking – Maybe Kike Hernandez, but he'd only played four games this week and didn't have a good game tonight. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with Jose or Kiti. But uh, is that all we have for today's show? I believe so. Well, all right. Thank you for listening to this episode of the MLB Daily Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Twitter, TikTok. Those are both at MLB Daily Pod. And uh, be sure to play our trivia game on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, follow me and LJ. But uh, thank you for listening once again. And we will uh, see you tomorrow. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.